irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. The Three Laws of Robotics, also known as Asimov's Laws, are a set of rules devised by the science fiction author Isaac Asimov. The rules were introduced in his 1942 short story, Runaround. Although they have been foreshadowed in a few earlier stories, the three laws, quoted as being from the Handbook of Robotics, 56th edition, year 2058 AD, are as follows. Rule number one. A robot may not injure a human being or, through inaction, allow a human being to come to harm. Rule number two. A robot must obey the orders given it by humans, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. Rule number three. A robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second laws. These form an organizing principle and unifying theme for Asimov's robotic-based fiction, appearing in his Robot series. The stories linked to it and his Lucky Star series of young adult fiction. The laws are incorporated into almost all the positronic robots appearing in his fiction and cannot be bypassed, being intended as a safety feature. Many of Asimov's robots' focus stories involve robots 
behaving in unusual and counterintuitive ways as an unintended consequence of how the robot applies the three laws to the situation in which it finds itself. Other authors working in Asimov's fictional universe have adopted them and references, often periodic, appear throughout the science fiction as well as other genres. The original laws have been altered and elaborated on by Asimov and other writers. Asimov himself made slight modifications to the first three in various books and short stories to further develop how robots would interact with humans and each other. In later fiction, where robots had taken responsibility for government of whole planets and human civilizations, Asimov also added a fourth or zeroth law to precede the others. Law Zero. A robot may not harm humanity or, by inaction, allow humanity to come to harm. The three laws and the zeroth law have pervaded science fiction and are referred to in many books, films, and other media. In The Rest of Robots, published in 1964, Asimov noted that when he began writing in 1940, he felt that one of the stock plots of science fiction was robots were created and destroyed their creator. Knowledge has its dangers, yes, but is it the response to be a retreat from knowledge? Or is the knowledge to be used as itself a barrier to the dangers it brings? He decides that in his stories, Robots would not turn stupidly on his creators for no purpose, but to demonstrate for one more weary time the crime and punishment of Faust. On May 3, 1939, Asimov attended a meeting of the Queen's Science Fiction Society where he met Ernest and Otto Binder, who had recently published the short story I, Robot, featuring a sympathetic robot named Adam Link, who was misunderstood and motivated by love and honor. This was the first of a series of ten stories. The next year's Adam Link's Vengeance in 1940 featured Adam thinking, a robot must never kill a human of his own free will. Asimov admired the story. Three days later, Asimov began writing my own story of a sympathetic and noble robot, his 14th story. Thirteen days later, he took Robbie to John W. Campbell, the editor of Astounding Science Fiction. Campbell rejected it, claiming that it bore too strong a resemblance to Lester Del Rey's Helen Oloy, published in December 1938, 
the story of a robot that is so much like a person that she falls in love with her creator and becomes his ideal wife. Frederick Pohl published Robbie in Astonishing Stories magazines the following year. Asimov attributes the three laws to John W. Campbell from a conversation that took place on December 23, 1940. Campbell claimed that Asimov had the three laws already in his mind and that they simply needed to be stated explicitly. Several years later, Asimov's friend Randall Garrett attributed the laws to a symbiotic partnership between the two men and suggestion that Asimov adopted enthusiastically. According to his autobiographical writings, Asimov included the first law's inaction clause because of Arthur Hugh Clough's poem, The Latest Decalogue, which included the satirical line, Thou shalt not kill, but needs not strive, officiously to keep alive. Although Asimov pins the creation of the thin lo three laws on a particular date, their appearance in literature happened over a period. He wrote two robot stories with no explicit mention of the laws, Robbie and Reason. He assumed, however, that robots would have certain inherent safeguards. Liar, his third robot story, makes the mention, the first mention of the first law but not the other two. All three laws finally appeared together in Runaround, when these stories and several others were compiled in the anthology I, Robot. Reason and Robbie were updated to acknowledge all the three laws, though the material Asimov added to Reason is not entirely consistent with the three laws as he describes them elsewhere. In particular, the idea of a robot protecting human lives when it does not believe those humans truly exist is at odds with Elijah Bailey's reasoning. During the 1950s, Asimov wrote a series of science fiction novels expressly intended for young adult audiences. Originally, his publisher expected that the novels could be adapted into long-running television series, something like The Lone Ranger, had been for radio. Fearing that his stories would be adapted into the uniformly awful program he saw flooding the television channels, Asimov decided to publish the Lucky Star books under the pseudonym Paul French. When plans for the television series fell through, Asimov decided to abandon the pretense he brought the three laws into the lucky star and the moons of Jupiter, noting that this was a dead giveaway to Paul French's identity for even the most casual reader. In his short story, Evidence, Asimov lets his recurring character, character Dr. Susan Calvin, expound a moral basis behind the three laws. Calvin points out that human beings are typically expected to refrain from harming other human beings, except in times of extreme duress like war, or to save a greater number of human beings. And this is equivalent to a robot's first law, 
Likewise, according to Calvin, society expects individuals to obey instructions from recognized authorities, such as doctors and teachers and so forth, which equals the second law of robotics. Finally, humans are typically expected to avoid harming themselves, which is the third law for a robot. The plot of evidence revolves around the question of telling a human being apart from a robot constructed to appear human. Calvin reasons that if such an individual obeys the three laws, he may be a robot or simply a very good man. Another character then asks Calvin if robots are very different from human beings after all. She replies, world's difference. Robots are essentially decent. Asimov later wrote that he should not be praised for creating the laws because they are obvious from the start and everyone is aware of them subliminally. The laws just never happened to be put into brief sentences until I managed to do the job. The laws apply as a matter of course to every tool that human beings use and analogs of the law are implicit in the design of almost all tools, robotic or not. For example, using tools and Asimov's three laws. Law number one, a tool must not be unsafe for use. Hammers have handles and screwdrivers have hilts to help increase grip. It is of course possible for a person to injure himself with one of these tools, but that injury would only be due to his incompetence, not the design of the tool. Law two for tools. A tool must perform its function efficiently unless this would harm the user. This is the entire reason ground fault circuit interrupters, now known as GFCI devices, exists. Any running tool will have its power cut off if a circuit senses that some current is not returning to the neutral wire and hence might be flowing through the user. The safety of the user is paramount. Law number three for tools. A tool must remain intact during its use unless its destruction is required for its use or for safety. For example, Dremel discs are designed to be as tough as possible without breaking unless the job requires it to be spent. Furthermore, they are designed to break at a point before the shrapnel velocity could seriously injure someone. Asimov believed that, ideally, humans would also follow these laws. I have my answer ready whenever someone asks me if I think that the three laws of robotics will actually be used to govern the behavior of robots once they become versatile and flexible enough to be able to choose among different courses of behavior? My answer is, yes, 
The three laws are the only way in which a rational human being can deal with robots or anything else. But when I say that, I always remember, sadly, that human beings are not always rational. Asimov's stories test his three laws in a wide variety of circumstances, leading to proposals and rejections and modifications. Some science fiction scholars wrote, the Asimov robot stories as a whole may be respond best to an analysis on this basis. The ambiguity in the three laws and the way in which Asimov played 29 variations upon a theme. While the original set of laws provided inspiration for many stories, Asimov introduced modified versions from time to time. In The Little Lost Robot, several NS2 robots, or otherwise known as Nestor robots, are created with only part of the first law. It reads, law number one, a robot may not harm a human being. This modification is motivated by a practical difficulty as robots have to work alongside human beings who are exposed to low doses of radiation. Because their positronic brains are highly sensitive to gamma rays, the robots are rendered inoperable by doses reasonably safe for humans. The robots are being destroyed attempting to rescue the humans who are in no actual danger but might forget to leave the irradiated area within the exposure time limit. Removing the first law in action clause solves this problem but creates the possibility of an even greater one. A robot could initiate an action that would harm a human such as dropping a heavy weight and failing to catch it, is the example given in the text, knowing that it was capable of preventing the harm and then deciding not to do so. Gaia is the planet with collective intelligence in the Foundation novels, which adopt a law similar to the first law and the zeroth law as its philosophy. Gaia may not harm life or, through inaction, allow life to come to harm. Asimov once added a zeroth law, so named to continue the pattern where lower numbered laws supersede the higher number laws, stating that a robot must not harm humanity. The robotic character R. Daniel Olivavois was the first to give the zeroth law a name in the novel Robots and Empire. However, this character Susan Calvin articulates the concept in the short story The Evitable Conflict. In the final scene of the novel Robots and Empire, R. Giscard Reventolf is the first robot to act according to the zeroth law. Giscard is telepathic, like the robot Herbie in the short story Liar, 
and tries to apply the zeroth law through his understanding of a more subtle concept of harm than most robots can grasp. However, unlike Herbie, Giscard grasps the philosophical concept of the zeroth law, allowing him to harm individual human beings if he can do so in service to the abstract concept of humanity. The zeroth law is never programmed into Gisgord's brain, but instead is a rule he attempts to comprehend through pure metacognition. Though he fails, it ultimately destroys his positronic brain, as he is not certain whether his choice will turn out to be for the ultimate good of humanity or not. He gives his successor, R. Daniel Olivar, his telepathic abilities. Over the course of many thousands of years, Daniel adapts himself to be able to fully obey the zeroth law. As Daniel formulates it in the novels Foundation and the Earth and Prelude to Foundation, the zeroth law reads, a robot may not harm humanity or by inaction, allow humanity to come to harm. A condition stating that the zeroth law must not be broken was added to the original three laws, although Asimov recognized the difficulty such a law would pose in practice. From the book Foundation and Earth, Trevis frowned. How do you decide what is injurious or not injurious to humanity as a whole? Precisely, sir, said Daniel. In theory, the zeroth law was the answer to our problems. In practice, we could never decide. A human being is a concrete object. Injury to a person can be estimated and judged. Humanity is an abstraction. A translator incorporated the concept of the zeroth law into one of Asimov's novels before Asimov himself made the law explicit. Near the climax of the Caves of Steel, Elijah Bailey makes a bitter comment to himself thinking that the first law forbids a robot from harming a human being. He determines that it must be so unless the robot is clever enough to comprehend that its actions are for humankind's long-term good. In Jackie's Picard 1956 French translation entitled Les Cavernes de Sire, Bailey's thoughts emerge in a slightly different way. A robot may not harm a human being unless he finds a way to prove that ultimately the harm done would benefit humanity in general. Asimov portrayed robots that disregarded the three laws entirely three times in his writing career. The first case was a short story entitled First Law and is often considered an insignificant tall tale or even apocryphal. On the other hand, the short story Cal from the collection Gold and told by a first-person robot narrator features a robot who disregards the three laws 
because he found something far more important. He wants to be a writer. Humorous, partly autobiographical, and unusually experimental in style, Cal has been regarded as one of its gold's strongest stories. The third is a short story entitled Sally, in which cars fitted with positronic brains are apparently able to harm and kill humans in disregard of the first law. However, aside from the positonic brain, this story does not refer to other robot stories and may not be set in the same continuity. The title story of the Robot Dreams collection portrays LVX-1, or Levex, a robot who enters a state of unconsciousness and dreams thanks to the unusual fractal construction of his positronic brain. In his dream, the first two laws are absent, and the third law reads, a robot must protect its own existence. Asimov took varying positions on whether the laws were optional, although in his first writings they were simply carefully engineered safeguards. In later stories, Asimov stated that they were inalienable part of the mathematical foundation underlying the positronic brain. Without the basic theory of the three laws, the fictional scientist of Avanov's universe would be unable to design a workable brain unit. This is historically consistent. The occasions where robots modify the laws generally occur early within the story's chronology and at a time when there is less existing work to be redone. In The Little Lost Robot, Susan Calvin considers modifying the laws to be a terrible ideal, although possible. While centuries later, Dr. Gurgle in The Caves of Steel believes it to be impossible. The character Dr. Gurgle uses the term Asinian to describe robots programmed with the three laws. The robots in Asimov's stories being Asian robots are incapable of knowingly violating the three laws. But, in principle, a robot in science fiction or real world could be non-Asian. Asian is a misspelling of the name Asimov, which was made by an editor in the magazine Planet Stories. Asimov used this obscure variation to insert himself into the Caves of Steel, just like he referred to himself as Esmeth, or possibly Asymptope, in Theotimoline to the Stars, in much the same way that Vladimir Nabukov appeared on Lolita, anagrammatically disguised as Vivian Darkbloom. There are three fourth laws written by authors other than Asimov. One of the fourth laws of robotics, a robot must establish its identity as a robot in all cases. The reason given for this fourth safeguard is this. The last law has put an end to the expensive aberrations of designers to give psychorobots as human-like form as possible and to the resulting misunderstandings. A fifth law was written by 
another science fiction writer stating, a robot must know it's a robot. The plot revolves around the murderer, where the forensic investigation discovers that the victim was killed by a hug from a human form robot. The robot violated the first law and the fourth law because it did not establish for itself that it was a robot. And finally, another fourth law was written by another scientific writer. A robot must reproduce as long as such reproductions does not interfere with the first or second or third law. In this book, a robot's rights activist, an attempt to liberate robots, builds several equipped with this fourth law. The robots accomplish the task laid out in this version of the fourth law by building new robots who view their creator robots as parental figures. In reaction to the 2004 Will Smith film adaption of iRobot, humorists and graphic designers farcically declared the fourth law of robotics to be, when turning evil, display a red light indicator. Even though in the movie, the red indicator light was not indicating that the robots were evil. In fact, they weren't. The red light indicates that the wireless uplink to the manufacturer is active. It's seen early during the software update, update but later on, the evil robots have all been taken over and are being controlled remotely by the positronic superbrain that runs the manufacturer's building system that came up with the zeroth law. There's a proposed additional law that for the first time considers the role of artificial intelligence on artificial intelligence or the relationship between robots themselves. The sixth law states, all robots endowed with comparable human reason and consciousness should act towards one another in the spirit of brotherhood. In The Naked Son, Elijah Bailey points out that the laws have been deliberately misrepresented because robots could unknowingly break any of them. He restated the first law as, a robot may do nothing that is, to its knowledge, will harm a human being, nor through its inaction knowingly allow a human being to come to harm. This change in wording makes it clear that robots can become the tools of murder, provided they are not aware of the nature of their tasks. For instance, being ordered to add something to a person's food, not knowing that it is poison, Furthermore, he points out that a clever criminal could divide a task among multiple robots so that no individual robot could recognize that its actions would lead to harming a human being. The Naked Sun complicates the issue by portraying a decentralized, planet-wide communication network among Solaria's millions of robots, meaning that the criminal mastermind could be located anywhere on the planet. 
It furthermore proposes that Solarians may one day use robots for military purposes. If a spacecraft was built with a positronic brain and carried neither humans nor life support systems to sustain them, then the ship's robotic intelligence could naturally assume that all other spacecraft were robot beings. Such a ship could operate more responsibly and flexibly than one crewed by humans and could be armed more heavily and its robotic brain equipped to slaughter humans of whose existence is totally ignorant. This possibility is referenced in the Foundation in Earth, where it is discovered that the Solarians possess a strong police force of unspecified size and has been programmed to identify only the Solarian race as human. The law of robotics presumes that the terms human being and robot are understood and well-defined. In some presumptions, this is overturned. The Solarians create robots with the three laws, but with a warped meaning of human. Solarian robots are told that only people speaking with a Solarian accent are human. This enables their robots to have no ethical dilemma in harming non-Solarian human beings and are specifically programmed to do so. By the time period of Foundation and Earth, it is revealed that Solarians have genetically modified themselves into a distinct species from humanity, becoming hermaphrodite and telekinetic and containing biological organs capable of individually powering and controlling whole complexes of robots. The robots of Solaria thus respected the three laws only with regard to the humans of Solaria. It is unclear whether all the robots had such definitions, since only the overseer and guardian robots were shown explicitly to have them. In Robots and Empire, the lower class robots were instructed by their overseer about whether certain creatures are human or not. Asimov addresses the problem of humanoid robots, androids to you and me, several times. The novel Robots and Empire, the short series Evidence, and the Tercentenary Incident describe robots crafted to fool people into believing that the robots are human. On the other hand, Bicentennial Man and That Thou Art Mindful of Him explore how the robots may change their interpretation of the laws as they grow more sophisticated. Gwendolyn Brutler writes in A Coffin for a Canary, Perhaps we are the robots, robots acting out the last raw law of robotics to tend towards the human. In The Robots of Dawn, Elijah Bailey points out that the humaniform robots as the first wave of settlers on a new spacer world may lead to the robots seeing themselves as the true humans and deciding to keep the worlds for themselves rather than allow the spacers to settle there. That thou art mindful of him, which Asimov intended to be the ultimate probe into the laws, subtleties he finally uses the three laws to conjure up the very Frankenstein scenario 
that they were invented to prevent. It takes as its concept the growing development of robots that mimic non-human living things and given programs that mimic simple animal behaviors which do not require the three laws. The presence of a whole range of robotic life that serves the same purpose as organic life ends with two humanoid robots concluding that organic life is an unnecessary requirement for a truly logical and self-consistent definition of humanity. And that since they are the most advanced thinking beings on the planet, they are, therefore, the only two true humans alive. And the three laws apply only to themselves. The story ends on a sinister note as the two robots enter hibernation and await a time when they will conquer the Earth and subjugate biological humans to themselves, an outcome they consider an inevitable result of the three laws of humanics. The story does not fit within the overall sweep of the Robot and Foundation series. If the George robots did take over the Earth sometime after the story closes, the latter stories would be either redundant or impossible. Contradictions of this sort among Asimov fiction works have led scholars to regard robot stories as more like the Scandinavian sagas or the Greek legends than a unified whole. Asimov indeed describes that thou art mindful of him and Bicentennial Man as two opposite parallel futures for robots that obviate the three laws as robots come to consider themselves to be humans. One portraying this in a positive light with a robotic, robot joining him in human society. One portraying this in a negative light with robots supplanting humans. Both are considered alternatives to the possibility of a robot society that continues to be driven by the three laws Indeed, in Positronic Man, the nullification of Bicentennial Man, Asimov and his co-writer Robert Silverberg imply that in the future, where Andrew Martin exists, his influence causes humanity to abandon the idea of independent, sentient, human-like robots entirely, creating an utterly different future from that of Foundation. As noted, it is presumed that a robot has a definition of the term or means to apply it to its own actions. It is played with this idea in writing about a robot that could kill a human being because it did not understand that it was a robot and therefore did not employ the laws of robots to its actions. Advanced robots in fiction are typically programmed to handle the three laws in a sophisticated manner. In many stories, such as Runaround by Asimov, the potential and severity of all actions are weighed and a robot will break the laws as little as possible rather than do nothing at all. For example, the first law may forbid a robot from functioning as a surgeon, as that act may cause damage to a human. However, Asimov's stories eventually include robot surgeons the Bicentennial Man being a notable example. 
When robots are sophisticated enough to weigh alternatives, a robot may be programmed to accept the necessity of inflicting damage during surgery in order to prevent the greater harm that would result if the surgery were not carried out or was carried out by a more fallible human surgeon. In evidence, Susan Calvin points out that a robot may even act as a prosecuting attorney because in the American justice system, it is the jury which decides guilt or innocence, the judge who decides the sentence, and the executioner who carries out the capital punishments. Asimov's three law robots can experience irreversible mental collapse if they are forced into situations where they cannot obey the first law or if they discover they have unknowingly violated it. The first example of this failure mode occurs in the story Liar, which introduced the first law itself. It introduces failure by dilemma. In this case, the robot will hurt them if he tells them something and hurt them if he does not. This failure mode, which often ruins the positonic brain beyond repair, plays a significant role in Asimov's science, history, science fiction mystery novel, The Naked Sun. Here, Danielle describes activities contrary to one of the laws, but in support of another, as overloading some circuits in the robot's brain, the equivalent sensation to pain in humans. The example he uses is forcefully ordering a robot to do a task outside its normal parameters, one that has been ordered to forego in favor of a robot specialized to that task. In Robots and Empire, Daniel states it's very unpleasant for him when making the proper decision takes too long in robot terms, and he cannot imagine being without the laws at all, except to the extent of it being similar to that unpleasant sensation, only permanent. Asimov himself believed his three laws became the basis for a new view of robots which moved beyond the Frankenstein complex. His view that robots are more than mechanical monsters eventually spread throughout science fiction. Stories written by other authors have depicted robots as if they obeyed the three laws, but tradition dictates that only Asimov could quote the laws explicitly. Asimov believed the three laws helped foster the rise of stories in which robots are lovable, Star Wars being his favorite example, where the laws are quoted verbatim, such as in Buck Rogers in the 25th century episode. It is not uncommon for Asimov to be mentioned in the same dialogue, as he can also be seen in Aaron, Spelling, Aaron Stone's pilot, where an android states that it functions under Asimov's three laws. However, the 1960s German TV series, Rumpatrillo, Space Patrol, The Fantastic Adventures of the Spaceship Orion, based episode three titled Guardians of the Law on Asimov's three laws without mentioning the source. In the 2007 science fiction game Portal, the announcer explains that he gave all the robots a copy of the three laws to share. 
reference to the three laws have appeared in popular music. Cartoon series such as The Simpsons, tabletop role-playing games such as Paranoia, and web comics. Moreover, in the Mega Man series of video games, the first law is often mentioned, though the other two laws are not brought up, and it is unclear whether these laws exist in the series. There is a brief mention of the laws made by the computer voice in the PC and PlayStation 3 video game, Portal 2. These laws have also been mentioned once in the Big Bang Theory concerning the character of Sheldon Cooper. Several of these allusions involve the invention of the fourth laws and various kinds of some and are made for humorous effects. Robbie the Robot in Forbidden Planet in 1956 has a hierarchical command structure which keeps him from harming humans, even when he is ordered to do so. As such orders can cause a conflict and lock up very much in the manner of Asimov's robots. Robbie is one of the first cinematic depictions of a robot with internal safeguards put in place in this fashion. Asimov was delighted with Robbie and noted that Robbie appeared to be programmed to follow the three laws. Isaac Asimov's works have been adapted for cinema several times with varying degrees of critical and commercial success. Some of the most notable attempts have involved his robot stories, including The Three Laws. The film Bicentennial Man 1999, featuring Robin Williams as the Three Laws robot NDR-114. The serial number is partially a reference to Stanley Kubrick's signature numeral. Williams recites the Three Laws to his employers, the Martin family, aided by a holographic projection. However, the laws were not the central focus of the film, which only loosely follows the original story, and has the second half introducing a love interest not present in Asimov's original story. Harlan Ellison's proposed screenplay for iRobot began by introducing the three laws, and issues growing from the three laws form a large part of the screenplay's plot development. This is only natural since Ellison's screenplay is one inspired by Citizen Kane, a frame story surrounding four of Asimov's short story plots and three taken from the book I, Robot itself. Ellison's adaptations of these four stories are relatively faithful, although he magnifies Susan Calvin's role in two of them due to the various complications in Hollywood movie-making system, to which Ellison introduces devotees much invective. His screenplay was never filmed. In the novelization of the movie Future World, one of the character points out, the laws are only there if whoever builds them puts them there. In the 1986 movie Aliens, 
after in a scene after the android bishop accidentally cuts himself during a knife game and attempts to reassure Ripley by stating, it is impossible for me to harm or by omission of action allow to be harmed a human being. By contrast, the 1979 movie from the same series, Alien, the human crew of a starship infiltrated by a hostile alien are informed by the android Ash that his instructions are, return alien life form, all other priorities rescinded. Your journey is now ending. The Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.